do not let somebody's two cents ruin your million dollar mind. When I left Vermont, all my friends, there wasn't a single person up there that was like, man, you're going to crush it. Yeah. They were all like, what are you going to do when racing doesn't work out? It doesn't work out. Yeah. What? I, I'm, yeah. leaving, I'm leaving with a one-way ticket. I ain't coming back. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkInSports.com, Brian Clapp. I'll admit it. My first thought when being introduced to today's guest was, for real? That's a job? The title requires some explaining and then to really appreciate the depth of knowledge. Mamba Smith is the chief hype officer for NASCAR. Catchy, sounds cool, but what does it really mean? And how does someone become a chief hype officer? Is there a hype coordinator, a manager of hype? What is this career path? The people need to know because I want it. I want to be a hype officer. It sounds awesome. In reality, what we have here is a true expert with a genuine love developing and leading incredible content with an infectious energy and smile. You'll have to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the smile. Trust me, it's worth it. So let's break this down. First off, Mamba Smith is a racer. Hi, my name is Dylan Smith. I'm from Randolph, Vermont. I'm 22 years old, and I race in the NASCAR Wheel in All-America. I told him one day we'd be able to turn the TV on and see me race, and today's the day. He knows his stuff. He's been a mechanic. He's worked in marketing and communication. And he's the type of guy who knows everyone because he is kind, genuine, and approachable. He exudes passion. So, in August 2021, NASCAR leadership, including our guest from a few weeks ago, Amy Anderson, NASCAR head of content strategy, went to Mamba with an idea. Host podcasts. Star on our YouTube channel. Get the crowd going at FanFest during events. Analyze the races. Interview the racers. Share the passion, excitement, and knowledge you have for NASCAR with the world by being a voice of the brand direct with the people. And it works. But I'll let him share the details because his energy is even higher than mine. So here he is, Mamba Smith. And don't worry, he'll explain the Mamba nickname. Hey, Mamba. So happy to have you on the show. This is so cool to kind of get a chance to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be here. I saw you cutting up with, with my boss lady, Amy. Um, and I was like, man, I, you know, hell yeah. I like, This was awesome. So I was like excited. So, to let's just get into that. I think this is hilarious. You and I were talking a little bit before we hit record. So I'm interviewing Amy Anderson a couple weeks ago. And then I see you message on Twitter. You're like, yo, I walked into the office when you guys were cutting it up. And I'm like, why didn't you jump in? So tell us, tell us what was happening in the background there. Cause everybody, everybody right now is, they would listen to that interview and loved it. So tell us what was happening in the background. Yeah. So, you know, for some odd reason, they gave me a key card to get into the office and uh, <laughs> I just go in there and I, honestly, I'm probably more of a disruptor than anything else. Um, but, you know, so I was in the office and, and I walked in to say hi to Amy and, um, I noticed that the, I have a Kobe Bryant helmet that Off Axis Paint uh, did for me for my ARCA race last year. And uh, we had, it was a big deal. Like Amy and, and Tim Clark, they um, set up like a follow docu. So start to finish of my process. Um, and that helmet was a big part of it. And so, and it was awesome. It was great, right? We finished ninth in the ARCA race, first race on that level. I like, had a great time. Well, the helmet is actually a little too small for my hairstyle that I got now. As we were hairstyle talking looks about. good, though. You got to keep the hair. Hey, got Yeah, I got to keep priorities it. here, priorities. right? Priorities. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to use it like that. I'm not going to use it again until like, I change up my hair. And um, 
And like, it just, it's so nice. And I wanted to be able to display it somewhere. And I don't, I don't have a whole lot of people coming to my house or whatever. So I gave yeah. it to Amy and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I'm not going to use this for a really long time. I don't think like, I'd love for you to, if you'd like it to put it in your office and have it on display and kind of like a thank you and a memory yeah. of, of what we've kind of started working on together. And so it always was like in front of her um, office, like where she sits and it was like right in front of her desk. And so yeah. when I walked in, I'm like, and it was at the back behind. And yeah. I was like, oh, that was weird. Why'd she move it? I was yeah. like, why'd she move it? I'm like, whoa, no, like, am I, am I moving yeah. down the depth chart, you know, on, <laughs> on, the, on the boss's love? And yeah. then and I asked her, she's like, no, I had a podcast. So, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I saw your podcast. I'm like, that yeah. was it. I'm like, ah, that's cool. the one right and there. I was yeah. like, because I, like, I thought she, she was strategically placed it, man. She, she, she does me right every time. I love Amy. Amy's the best. I loved, absolutely loved that conversation with her. And I got to tell you, doing some more research to prepare for this conversation with you, I was getting excited because you do the podcasting, you do this conversation. So this will be a fun way for us to, to dig in and talk and, before we get into your role with NASCAR and some of the details and the finer of how you got there, I'd love to start at the beginning a little bit. So, I mean, you got a really cool story arc, so let's discuss it a little bit. Born in Haiti, grew up in Vermont. I also grew up in New England. I grew up in the Boston area. And the mm -hmm. race game isn't crazy there as much as it is in other areas of the country. Yeah. How did you start to get this passion flowing where this became something you identified with so much? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like in Vermont, it, it is really big. Like it's something that everyone does every Thursday night. We go to Thunder Road every Thursday night throughout okay. the summer. Um, there's some other racetracks around that have that, but, but Thunder Road is like the The one. one. Um, okay. For for stock car racing, like there's modified racing, and it's a little bit more Connecticut and stuff like that. But uh, I started going when I was three, man. I went to the racetrack when I was three, loved it. Um, my dad bought me a go kart that summer. I started racing when I was four or five, and we won, and yeah. we won, and we won, and I realized that winning was fun. And so we just Hell kept yeah. going. Yeah, we just kept going down that path. And uh, yeah. and it was cool because it, it was my thing. Like no one else at my high school did it. Um, and you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, like I'm from Vermont. Right. So like the, yeah. the black population is very low. Like we I mean, I had to go 45 minutes to see another black person. And yeah. I've never thought about it like this till just now. But because I was already a little bit on my own, like as far as doing like what I look like and stuff. I think I connected with racing so hard there because I was the only one also doing that. So yeah. like there was like a connection to it uh, because of my situation. And I, and I never really thought about it like that till just now, but that's probably a big reason as to why, cause no one else could, no one else was doing it and no one else yeah. could be me. No one else around me looked like me and definitely no one else was doing it. So it was like a, it was like a connector there. Yeah, you you like the idea of being completely unique and one of one, like your own your own person, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think I've kind of always been like that since I was a kid, and yeah. you know, my, I'm, like I said, I'm adopted, so I've I have two white parents, and my parents are the I couldn't ask for a better situation. And it's an open adoption, so I know my mother, I know my grandparents, and I know my aunt. Oh, we cool. have a, we have a great relationship as well. So uh, they've always sent that's me funny. like always sent me cards and Christmas and birthdays and pictures and you know it's it, it's it's probably the best situation that anyone's ever had as an adoptive person 
that's a really cool background story there. Yeah. So were your parents then, your adopted Vermont parents, uh, were they always supportive of this concept of being a racer and pushing this realm? Yeah, I mean, uh, my my dad always was. He loved it. Like, he, my dad was a, he owned a flooring store. So he wasn't a mechanic. Okay. So he yeah. learned how to, he learned how to work on these go-karts and these cars reading chassis books. Like, and, and he just was a student of the game. And um, he got really, like, really good at it, especially on the go-kart stuff. He got really, he was probably one of the best in our area doing it. Okay. And uh, my mom, my mom was, she liked it, but you know how moms are? Like, moms Mom like, was nervous. Yeah. And she really wanted me to go the college route. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> when I took my first PSAT, like, um, and so I guess I was a sophomore. And then. Yeah. Then, you know, your second one was coming around and I, my dad was like, do you even want to go to college? And I'm like, yeah, I want to drive race cars, man. Like, I like right. that's what I want to do. He's like, well, until you figure out what you want to do, you know, he's like, let's just not do this part. And I'm like, that's cool. So, yeah, I, like he always he always believed in me to make something of myself. I don't think he always knew what, what it would be, but he knew that I would always be able to make something. So that's cool. I love that. As a parent, and I have a girl who's a sophomore right now in high school, so I feel that when you're like, you just want your kids to be happy and driving towards something that makes them passionate and fulfilled and all that, and, it, and you found it. Okay, so getting from Thunder Road in Vermont where you're racing there and you're finding this love and this passion to where you are now is a really big leap. How did you kind of start to build your name on the scene and kind of develop into where you are now? Yeah, so, so I moved to Charlotte when I was 18, like right out of high school. Bang, yeah, uh, I just so, gotta get down there, and yeah, be a part of it. Yeah, so, so I tried out for the NASCAR diversity program the year prior. I, yeah. I, I didn't make it the team. Um, they offered me a job. I talked to Andy Santer, who's a legend from New England, and who he was running the program. And I'm like, man, what should I do? He's like, well, do you want to race? Or do you want to be a mechanic? I said, I don't want to race. He's like, well, you yeah. better go. He's like, you better race then. I'm like, well, that's coming from the goat. So I guess I'm going to go back right. home and go race. Good advice. Yeah, good Let's advice. Go with it. Good. That's a good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> you said it, boss. Let's go. Yeah. So went back and actually had a way better year. Uh, won a bunch of heat races, podiumed once. Like, we we're just a lot better. Um, yeah. And we were, essentially, we ran out of money. That's what happens a lot of times. So mm, um, yeah. tried out for the diversity program again, didn't make it again. But I was like, hey, I'm graduating. I grad I'm I'm graduating. Like, is that job offer still available? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, if you want it. So like 2011, um, moved down to Charlotte, uh, started, I couldn't even read a tape measure, man. I started sweeping yeah. the floors and stuff. I couldn't, so they uh, you know, they they trained me up and um, you know, it's just it's been a grind. It's been fun. It's been really, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of ups and downs, but that's, that's all part of it. You know, it's part of the journey. So I um, right. went from working there uh, as a mechanic. I pulled a legend car out of the back with a buddy and we put it back together and someone saw me. Jefferson Hodges saw me putting in the work and Jefferson was running the program at this point. And he, he got the team to, you know, fund the legend car season that year. Uh, so that was cool. And then I was working on Kyle Larson's k car and we won the championship. So that was cool. And yeah. then, uh, yeah. And then got we, some cool experiences, yeah, I got right? some cool. And then we, I left there and went to Stuart Haas 
And Tony Stewart's always been my favorite race car driver, and now he's become yeah. a friend and a brother. And uh, we won a championship in 2014 with Harvick. And uh, then I left there, and we I went and helped start this race team called MDM Motorsports. So I was the third employee. Um, we had three cars, and in three years, we went from three people in three cars to 30 cars, 30 people in six race teams. Wow. And we won 30 races in three years, and we won a truck race. And I went from being a mechanic to in charge of comms, uh, marketing, and, like, uh, the parts department. So um, it's been a – it's been. And then we folded up, and I had to bet on myself, man. I, I didn't I, – I knew I wasn't going to be a, a crew chief. The ceiling was low there. So yeah. I'm like, I want to stay front office. Um, yeah. I know, and you know, our team shut down in December. So like all the spots are full. So luckily I had some friends in event marketing that pulled me on and I started traveling around the country doing event marketing. And then Tim Clark called and he's like, Hey man, would you like to, I'd like to talk to you about doing some, doing some on camera stuff. And he's like, hey, this is Amy Anderson. This is going to be your, your go-to. And man, we've been ripping ever since. It's been a good, it's been a good last two years, three years. So you kind of alluded that the, the uh, drive for diversity was something that you had pushed for, but in 2015, you did end up getting to be a yeah. part of that. Yep. So we can all acknowledge that NASCAR has traditionally been a platform for white men and this program is important. You joined it again in 2015. Talented drivers from diverse backgrounds, a chance to compete. Take us through that moment a little bit and, and what it has meant for your career and the perspective and just the fact that NASCAR has been willing to invest in this process and developing other other athletes in this in this format. What does that mean? Yeah, the, the process is huge. I, I, I want to make sure I say this because I think it was shock people. NASCAR for years has been winning diversity awards across sports for yep. years. NASCAR has the most diverse um, building, HQ, and, you know, whether it's people of color or, um, you know, females that are in position to make big decisions and that, may, that can build teams. Like, that's what NASCAR has done, and, and we've been doing it for a while. It, the hard thing is, is our sport, our, our athletes that are face forward are the drivers. You know, there's only 40 of them. There's only 100 of them, 120, that get to race NASCAR week in and week out in the entire world. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? So That's crazy. You know, the barrier to entry is a dollar amount. You know, like, you, if you have the funds to get the time and to put in the work, then you can, you know, you can be there. But so... For us, a lot of our diversity comes on the back end, people that are putting in the work to put on the show and they don't get all their roses all the time. And you don't see that. So like when people that don't know the sport are like, oh, this is really just a white man sport. Like, uh, no, it's not. Like, There's, there's yeah. a lot of diversity here. Our, our, uh, we're, I'm down here in Daytona and uh, there's so many different people, different creeds in the infield, the camping out together, community. Um, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And I think NASCAR has been leading the charge for a minute, I think getting rid of the Confederate flag for a lot of people really opened some eyes on both ends of the spectrum. Like, I think some yeah. people didn't know how bad it affected people. And some people didn't know, oh, they're really not like that. They, you know, they don't care that much about that. So, yeah, it's uh, we've been through the process and it's been a good one, man. It's another one of those things where the more people can listen to one another and hear from somebody else's perspective, the more that opens up the dialogue. And I think that's really important. You're sharing that, too, because. 
I've been in the industry for a long time. I've studied diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion across different sports. I didn't know that about NASCAR. So I think that's brilliant that we're sharing that and getting that word out there because I didn't know it was as diverse of an HQ as you're saying. So I think that's that's really cool to share. I know it isn't NASCAR, but I'm going to pivot here for a second. I know it isn't NASCAR, but (laughs) in December, FIA put out uh, rules in place restricting driver's voice, right? So they can't make political, religious, or uh, personal statements which to many seem like a direct shot across the bow of, of Lewis Hamilton, who has been very vocal. Um, what what are your thoughts on trying to restrict the voice of athletes? Because I think we're in a generation right now where athletes across the board, whether it's LeBron or it's or it's Serena or it's uh, Lewis Hamilton, are being more vocal than ever. And it's sad to me to hear any kind of a governing body say, no, 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 you can't do that. What do you think about that? Man, I think it's sad when anyone is trying to restrict anyone from their thoughts. You know, I at the same at the same time, there's, there's a risk, right? There's a risk yeah. versus reward of, of being open minded and having your own thoughts. And that's OK. If that person wants to take on that risk, the juice yeah. is worth the squeeze for whatever it is to them. And I think you got to let people do that. And, and, and whatever the fallout is, you just you deal with that later. But if you feel passionate about something, you shouldn't be restricted in talking about it. And, and for Lewis, he's a he's such a, a leader in the world. You know, he's like he's like one of those Kobe Bryant type guys, one of those Chadwick Boseman 100%. type guys that yep. like when he speaks, people listen. And um, I, I, I hate that that because that's such a big part of him and why he's great. And for F1, there are a lot of reasons why they're great is because of him. Yeah, and be- oh yeah. And because of what he does and yeah. being open and, and you yeah. know, so I, I think that's a really risky road to go down, you know, making a law, right? There's always internal yeah. like, hey, maybe if you want to talk about this, let's make sure we do it like this. But just yeah. to just to break it down and be like, no speaking on this at all. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really like that. No, I don't run with that. And I, I, I feel like I love the fact that he came out recently and was like, yeah, that's not going to stop me. Like, I just, he's using his leverage too. He's like, I've got power in this conversation. I can decide whether I'm going to agree to this or not. And if you want to penalize me, however you're going to penalize me, trust me, the backlash is going to go against you, not me. He's so I think the, he's using his leverage, which is pretty cool. He's he's arguably the GOAT, right? I mean, like, yeah. like and he's one of, he's talking about one-on-one, He's like, obviously there's diverse backgrounds cause it's F1 and there people are coming from all over, but he's been one of the only people that looks like him in that space and has become a legend. Yeah. Like not just because of that, but because he wins, he's a bona fide winner oh, yeah. and champion. So like, it's not a novelty. He's a star. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a star. Yeah. Like he, he, yeah. you, you better be careful because a lot of people wear Lewis Hamilton stuff. You know, all over the world. Like, that's that's right. He is the face. All right. So, before we go any further, you got to explain the Black Mamba nickname. (laughs) I know you probably have had to explain this at 10,000 times. You grew up in Vermont. Your name is Dylan Smith, but you're Black Mamba now. So, so how did it happen? I got to know. So, it was uh, about 2011, and I went go karting with a group of people I didn't know. it was like Brandon McReynolds, Corey LaJoy, Joey Logano, uh, Skip Flores, like all these racers that were all the same age, right? Yeah. And and I'm new. And I went down with my buddy Michael Cherry, who had been racing with them. 
And um, I'm new and like, I don't know any, I know who these guys are, but you know, I'm just trying yeah. to, I'm trying to find my bearings. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a yeah, I, find I'm, your lane. Where do you fit? I'm like, 18, how do you fit in with these people? 18, 19 yeah. year old kid by myself, just trying to find it. And uh, I had gone to this go-kart track the year before I moved and you put, get to put in a racer name. And at the time, Kobe Bryant was the baddest man on the planet. Like, like hell yeah, baddest athlete on the planet, uh-huh. right? And they started his nickname came up as the Black Mamba. Well, like D'Anthony Thomas in NCAA football, he became the Black Mamba. And they, like all these sports were like oh, dubbing yeah. different people. I'm like, Black Mamba, that's cool. I'm like, hell, I know, I ain't no one got. Black Mamba and NASCAR. Like, I, I know that. <laughs> right. I know that for sure. I know I can take it here. I yeah. can, so I was like, you know, let me put that in. Well, I put it in and, and I forgot all about it. Well, when I went back to race with all these people, that's what showed up on the on the leaderboard. We do the yeah. first race and I end up like in the middle, like sixth or seventh or something like that. So like respectable for all these people. Yeah. And they're like looking down the leaderboard. They're like, who in the hell is the Black Mamba? And I'm like. Yo, and I'm like five. This like, guy. Yeah, I'm like five <laughs> nine. I mean, I'm a little, I'm not huge. Like, I weigh 150 yeah. pounds soaking wet at the time. And they're like, that's awesome. And it stuck. <laughs> well, what happened was, is that next race, Joey Logano and Corey LaJoy squeezed me into the first corner. And someone hit me from the back and got my yeah. go-kart stuck under the wall. And they had to stop the race. And everyone's like, what's going on, Black Mama? Like, what are you holding up? This shit, like, bro. And then they started <laughs> seeing me at the racetrack and everything. I even got a... It just happened. It just Yeah, it just stuck. And I even got a voicemail. I think I saved it from my friend, uh, Too Tall Medill. Uh, his nickname's Too Tall because he's five. He's We call it 519. So he's like six, seven. He's huge. And, uh, <laughs> 519. 519. Like and so uh, he goes, hey, uh... I don't know who Dylan is, but Black Mamba, if this is you, like, call me back. It's just like, because oh, my voicemail, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, it's Dylan Smith, leave a message. Yeah, and he's like, I don't like, know if this is the right uh, number, Dylan, yeah, but if Black Mamba's there, have him call me. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so for a long time, no one knew my name was Dylan, so uh, it's okay. It worked out. Yeah. I love it. Who, who needs it now? Throw it away. Uh, who needs Dylan anymore? Yeah, You're Mamba. Yeah, I, I still, I so I tried signing my autograph. Mamba, but it's too much. And like the letters, are, it's well, it's just the same stuff, right? Because M A, oh yeah, and then M, and then B A. Yeah. So it's a lot. It just of looks percent. like a bunch of bounces. Yeah, like I can't. I'm like I can't do this thing. So so, and then I thought about that uh, that part. I think it was in uh, Coming to America when he's talking about uh, Muhammad Ali. He's like, if his mom calls him clashes. I'm gonna call him Cassius. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? My mom would name me Dylan. So I'm gonna do Dylan, do the parentheses, Mamba, and then Smith. So like, I keep Perfect. it, make mom happy and everything. It all works out. All so works out. let's talk about this uh, NASCAR Chief Hype Officer deal. So yeah. 2020, you start your own Mamba Media. 2021, like you said, Tim Clark and and Amy came to you and and brought you in to talk about how, taking on a role with NASCAR. What does it mean? What's it like for you being a part of this organization? And 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 why do you think they identified you? Why did Amy and, and Tim say we want to we want to talk to to Mamba and see if this is a fit? Um, you know, like I've had obviously seven years of trying to get into the NASCAR diversity program as a driver. Like you and and you just you can't get over. Like I got over the hump once, but then it was short lived, right? And like yeah. it just it just hurt. Like it hurt because it was like. I was being, I was a top five, top three candidate every time. And I was like, I don't know what is going on. Like, I don't know why I'm not getting, so like 
my heart got a little hardened, you know, by it when it comes to that. So when they, when Tim came to me, um, I'll tell you, I've told this story so many times with him. It's my, it's probably my favorite one to tell, honestly. So he comes to me, he's like, hey man, uh, can we meet at the Starbucks across from the office? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Right. And I've, I don't know what Tim looks like. I don't know anything. Yeah. We've met at a, at a party once, but like it was a Halloween party at Ryan Blaney's house. So like, I mean, you're not gonna we remember we meeting really, somebody. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really meet, you know. So, yeah, I still don't know what you look like. Yeah, you were in Halloween garb. Yeah. So, so I show up to the Starbucks. I got a straw truly hat, like a big straw <laughs> truly hat. I got my Fresh Prince of Bel Air baseball jersey and these, but of course, tiger print pink flamingo shorts. And Tim comes in and he's like, you know, looking pretty corporate. And he's like, hey, Tim. Uh, he's like, hey, mom, this is Tim Clark. And I'm like, hey, man, nice to meet you. I go, hi, man, what do you want? Like, just straight up. Like, <laughs> I was like, so what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, like, time is money. Let's yeah. get this going, bro. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, what? So, and we chatted and and he, I, I just could believe in him. Like, I could believe, because he believed in me. and what, plan. What I can bring to the table and he didn't hundred percent know exactly what it was going to be, but he could see something and he put me with Amy and, and me and Amy worked so well together. Yeah. Um, and Amy was new to NASCAR. So like I was able to, you know, more than just like a working relationship, but we have a, a very good friendship. Like, yeah, you know, like we've done Thanksgiving together because she's here by herself and I, and I understood what that was like being here by yeah. yourself. And yeah. I didn't want her to feel like she never had anybody that she could just like cut up with or, or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, they've just really, and I texted them. So we we're at LA and, uh, now that I'm the chief hype officer, like part of my deal now is I'm doing driver intros. So I didn't do the driver intros in LA, but I had a, a part where they're like, all right, we're going to run you out there for like 60 seconds. Just talk, like get people excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And I, man, I hit it and um, it was a surreal moment because we started doing like a little, you know, a little hit with the, with the fans. I said something and they said stuff back and I was like on the, you know, LA Coliseum on the big screen and, and I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant Jersey, like my favorite Jersey. And just, then yeah. after I texted them both and I said, Hey, thank you guys for believing in me. I, you know, yeah. and, and they put me on, USA's RFTC as a pundit, so like a, as an analyst, and and all that stuff matters. You know, it yep. it matters a lot to me. It matters to my my family. It matters to the people back in Vermont. And then you know, there's a lot of kids that that look like me that or people that look like me that never would think that they would put anybody on like that. Like we got Bubba, yep. we got Raj. Now Josh Sims is on FS1. You know, Brad Doherty's been here for a long time as an owner. Yeah. He's finally starting to get his roses, and like you know. It just means a lot. So it was, it was a very surreal moment. It's been fun. So what was their vision initially? Just, we want to get you out there. We want to have you at events. We want to have you doing some content and creating some some stuff. Like, is that is that kind of what it was at the initial so, phase? And it's kind of just grown from there? Or Yeah, so it was, it was August, not last year, the year before that I started. Um, and the conversation started in, like, June or July. Um, So it was like basically the playoffs. And I came on to do, uh, not co-host, I came on to sit in on Backseat Driver. So it was a YouTube show that we had. It's basically kind of like 
your first take or your first things first. Alex yep. Weaver hosts the show. They wanted a more regular voice on the other side, and then we'd have a guest coming in. So we did that for the last two years, um, and it was cool. And like, I I was just I decided that I wanted to be a mix between Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, um, Nick uh, Wright, and Colin Coward, and and a little bit of Brandon Marshall, just like the energy, but also being able to bring it's it a cool to, combo, like, bring into it straight, right? Like bringing real yep. facts and real opinion that that. Is maybe honest, ar- authentic. honest and arguable because that makes it fun. You want to be able to yeah. go back and forth, but like have a point of view, a different angle than other people were seeing. So um, yep. that's where that's really where it started. And then evolved. Jeff Burton and Mark Martin uh, started a podcast. We called it Mark Mamba and the Mayor. So I started hosting that. Um, I love that. It's that, a great name. Yeah, it's great. It was super fun. Um, uh, we came up with a piece called NASCAR Next Now. So about 10 years ago, the stars of today that were coming up that I grew up with, uh, Kyle Larson, uh, Corey LaJoy, Brandon McReynolds, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney. And yeah, that was, that was a set of guys. And then Caitlin Vinci hosted it for us. And we just started talking about 10 years ago, man, when we were all kids mm-hmm. and racing together and K&N and, and them racing oh, hard. Like and that. It was shit, man. I got to be honest. Everyone needs to check it out. It's on NASCAR's YouTube. It's called NASCAR Next Now. It's probably some of the coolest content because we were we were drinking. We were having a good time cutting up. And you can tell, yeah. like, there's some fire and some stories that, that were being said. It was it was great, man. It was so cool. So I love those origination stories, too, like what people were doing to get started. That's a lot of the topics we try to get into on the show a lot. It's like yeah. we're talking to different people about how they got inspired, what led them this path, like where did they come from and all that kind of detail I think is always really interesting because everybody's so unique and different and there's something that helped propel them, some mentor, some moment, whatever it is. I love those kind of stories. So everybody should totally check that out. NASCAR Next Now. So you're wearing the sweatshirt. It looks good on you. This is NASCAR's 75th anniversary year, 1948 to 2023. Amy and I talked about a little bit, but I'd love to hear from your perspective too. What does this mean for you in the coming year? How do you really lean into this? And how do you guys keep building up that brand? Yeah, no, I mean, Amy's, Amy and her team and our team absolutely crushing the rollout. I mean, the content that that we've been putting out is just like, it's fire. It's just different. Like, it's yeah. not like it, it's paying homage back to our history, but it's not the old. It's not like run of the mill content. Like there's a thought process and it's flashy and it's loud and it's super fun. I'm super excited to be a part of it you know we're doing these untold stories we just dropped one with um Dale Earnhardt Sr. and uh Bill France um and so like how their relationship was and and it's just cool man it, it means a lot because I remember being a kid for the 50th uh because I'm 30 so I remember seeing all the 50th yeah. badging and the cars were special and unique and and sort of be here now 25 years later right in the thick of it, like for me is like, yeah, it's wild. So uh, we have, I'm a part, I'm the GM for Rise Esports and we have a NASCAR, E-NASCAR, Coke League iRacing team. So that, that, you know, is the highest level of iRacing for for NASCAR. And so we changed one of our numbers this year from five to 75 to tip the cap to to the magical year because on the 50th year, Rick Hendrick had a number 50 car that did the same thing. And I remembered that. And I'm like, 
we got to do this. Like we got, yeah, like, I, I yeah. want to do this. And so yeah. the guys have been really leaning in. Uh, we got Sunoco as a partner and they've been super cool and let us lean in. So one of our cars is 75. So we're leaning into like all throwback schemes all year long. So this oh, year, cool. the, yeah, the first one was Dale and our juniors, 2001 Daytona uh, Pepsi 400 win. So, okay. um, you know, it's icon. It's a baseball, like all-star baseball car. Everyone loved that car. And then uh, for the 46 car, we're doing a, a, like into the future. So the 46 car is going to have all fun theme, like or whatever region we're at, you know, yeah. like the, we ran Daytona. So it was kind of like a Miami Vice it was like a purple with a lot of pink and a lot of electric. Like it That's was, cool. yeah, man. Yeah. So we're just trying, just trying to push that story forward and, and let everyone know, like we're here and we're going to be here for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great honor to be a part of something as, as impactful as a 75th anniversary. And oh, there's man. so much fun stuff that you can do with that. And to just be out there being vocal about what's happening and, and looking back nostalgically, I think is, is really cool. So I'm excited to see where that takes you. So what, Nat, we're doing this interview, what's today, Thursday? Today's Thursday. This yeah, weekend yeah. Is, is Daytona. Yeah, I get yeah. Time is all relative. Oh, I can't it, remember it's anything. all relative, man. <laughs> this will air directly after Daytona. I am not going to ask you for a prediction. I never no, want to put anybody, anybody on the spot like no, that. No, I'll give you one. I got one. Okay, well, we'll, we'll okay, you can definitely give your prediction. All but right. I would also just like to know, what is... Your job and your role this weekend. This is the this is the this is the big this is a big event. This is a granddaddy. Like yeah. what is what does this weekend look for you? How will the world see you and absorb your energy from this event? Man, uh, I was I was on pit road last night for for single car qualifying. Um, just talking to the guys, saying hi to everybody because you know it's. But my I really take my job as putting smiles on people's faces. If people are smiling. Yeah. And, and they're having a good time and a good experience. Like that's what I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to bring and, and try to connect our fans a little bit more to the garage. Cause I have those relationships and just letting them yeah. feel like they're closer to us. We are, we are the most accessible sport in in all of sports, but it's still hard sometimes, you know, to get there. And, and so I'll be on out in the fan zone. Um, I'll be doing interviews on the stage Um and you know, I'm I'm kind of all over. Like I'm a utility yeah. guy. I'm the I am the utility baseball yep. player. Yep. Like you need Can me to yeah, you need me to do an interview. I got you. You need me to hype the fans up. I got you. You need me whatever you need. Whatever Amy and Tim and the rest of the team needs. I'm like yeah. you guys. Just call and I will be there. So do you I'll ever not over. have a smile on your face all weekend? Like is this like the the I mean is the Super Bowl right? It's like. You're in the th- thick of it. This is great. This, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, when I rolled in, you forget. Like, it's easy to forget. Daytona reminds us every time. Yeah. You roll in, That's it's cool. like, it's like, oh, yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. Like, the season's long. So it, you get, it, yeah. it's a grind. But like, when you don't have racing for two months, you're like, damn, man, I really miss this. And then you come back and see all the campers and people setting their stuff up and they're excited. And it just starts, like, the energy starts building. Yep. Um, and I, that's just, that's my favorite part about it, man. And, and, um, I'm People excited. People go to be on pilgrimages to be there for this. And like, and you're right in the thick of it. It's gotta right, be important. Right yeah. in the middle of it. And, uh, yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully the guys put on a great show all week. All right. So give us the prediction. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So my, my prediction is I'm going to give you my championship prediction too. I think yep. Kyle Bush is going to win the championship. 
Okay. Okay. I also have a bet with Kyle. If he wins it, then me and him are both getting tattoos in Nashville. Uh, eight <laughs> tattoos. So is that? You're literally putting some skin on uh, the game. Yeah, I like, like it. Yeah. I like, yeah, I just feel like I think he he's dope and he's. I think he's going to get it done. I think I'm going to give three picks for the win. It's either going to be Ryan Blaney because he's been putting himself in position every time at plate races. Um, I think it also could be Joey Logano. And then, honestly, I think Kyle Busch might be one to win this this one, too. Like, this race really, like, the aggressors, whoever's aggressive, usually yeah. ends up being able to win the Daytona 500. So, aggressive driving goes a long way. Uh, I'm an aggressive driver. I can do that. Yeah, uh, come no, on okay, so come check it out. Come check it out. Uh, so, most of the athletes that I know or have worked with, and even, like, the top-level performers, reporters, anchors, analysts that are on TV a lot— you said it. It's a long season. It's intense. Yep. They all have to decompress. They all have to be able to kind of have those moments that they kind of come down from as well. So they take their downtime seriously. What does that look like for you? Are you one of those people that's like, my downtime is I go play another sport? Or are you like the guy that goes and hits the karaoke bar? Like, how do you kind of get yourself into a different different frame of mind after a big event like Daytona? Uh, man, I got to tell you, I don't really have downtime. Honestly, no. Like, Honestly, man, I, um, I, downtime is not good for me. I, okay. I, I have, I have created, what I have created is a creature of go and go. Like, like if I'm sitting stagnant, like I feel like I need to be doing something that I could be doing something that is helping me reach my goals. Um, you know, so I don't really rest. Like people like, yeah. people are like, how are you not tired? And I'm like, and how are you talking about? I'm always tired, but <laughs> I'm going to be tired either way. And I'd rather be yeah. tired living a life, chasing a life worth living than just being tired to be tired. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I get energized when I get to hang out with my friends. I get energized, hang out with fans. I get, you know, when I can plug in to something, a fun atmosphere, I'd rather do that than just sleep. Um, so... You know, there ain't no, there ain't much rest for no me. No downtime. I, I look, no time I mean, allowed. We, we, our season ended November like 6th. I had a race. You're back at it. I had a race November like 18th. We had Thanksgiving. I, I officiated my first wedding December 2nd. December 10th, I went to another wedding. December 30th, I had a wedding. December 31st, I had two weddings. January what? 9th, I had a wedding. January 21st, I had a wedding. Like, I, seven weddings in seven weeks. I like I didn't stop until the end of the until the wedding season was. And over. every friend probably wants you to get on the mic and cut it up and get everybody going and get Man, excited, right? Everybody's like, "Come on, Mamba, this is your thing. Get like, everybody going." They know what you get know everybody on the dance floor. If you invite me to your wedding, there, there's two. You things. know what's gonna happen. There's two yeah. things. One, if you invite me to your wedding, if you want to be the best looking guy at your wedding, don't invite me. Don't invite, <laughs> don't invite me. Don't do it. Nope. Because don't do it. I live to to wear like some of those like something really nice. I live for yeah, those. Yeah, you're gonna moments. draw the attention. I'm bringing. You're the t- you're fire. taking the attention off the, like, the groom. Yeah. Don't, if you don't want that, don't do that. And number two, it's gonna be a good time. The party don't start till yep. I, I till I get there. It's we yeah. like I love dancing all night long. I, I'm usually sore the next day. I love singing. My voice is usually gone. Like yep. I love. Gotta bring it. 
I love being at a in a party environment and just having making memories with my friends, man, or people I don't even know. I, that's honestly, <laughs> honestly, that's almost better. If I don't know, not you, even required like, to know who yeah, you are. Nope, you, you know. So that's what it is. I will hype that's man awesome. for anybody for sure. I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to finish up with this. I'm so thankful of the time you've given us. I know it's a busy weekend for you. It's so great. Um, you've kind of, in a lot of ways, created your own career path through passion, right? You're excited yeah. about this. It means something to you. Yeah. It's not a traditional job that you've, you've created and, and a niche that you've built for yourself. What kind of advice would you give to the young people out there that are looking at you and that, and that are inspired by you and are thinking like this, this side of it, this just having a real passion and vision for what I enjoy could be the difference for me. What kind of advice would you give those people? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. Um, the first thing is positive mental attitude is the most underrated uh, skill to have. Like, and I'm gonna say it again, positive mental attitude yeah. because life is 10% about what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Um, yep. And, and and how you respond is how you think. Like your your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your future. So if you're thinking negative thoughts often, that's the energy that you're gonna pull in. So so being being cautious about what you're thinking and how you're especially about yourself, right? Yep. Um loving love you. You gotta love you. Like if you don't like where you're at, if you don't like what you're doing. Man, switch it up because you only got one life. Make a life. change. Yep. You, and, and and the lifespan isn't like okay. Let's say it's a hundred years. Well, like eighteen, the first eighteen, you don't know nothing, right? <laughs> you, like the first eighteen, like you don't know squat, right? Especially yep. especially the first like fifteen. Like once you get to drive, start driving, right? So let's say yep. you hit sixteen, yep. and then from sixteen to like 25, 28, like you're still like oh man. I, and then you start figuring out after 20. So really you get like, let's say 30 to what, 55 of really right. like your prime health, your prime living and everything. And then after like 50, 55, it starts. So you got a short window to really enjoy as much now, as you You just went can. from making me happy to making me depressed. Now I'm like, shit, I'm almost dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> you got, man, if you're a kid, you got a short window. You, you got to live get, it up, man. You got to get, get it while you get it. <laughs> I'm coming out of Daytona this weekend to party with you, so I feel a little bit better. Man, no, man. And, and so, like, I think people always like the future, the future, the future. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, but the now, the right now, you know? And then, yep. and then thirdly, and I think this is, this is probably maybe the most important thing. Do not let somebody's two cents ruin your million dollar mind because they can't see what God or the universe has laid out for you to see. Yeah. Like they're going to try, they're going to tell you, you shouldn't, that you can't. When I left Vermont, all my friends, there wasn't a single person up there that was like, man, you're going to crush it. Yeah. They were all like, what are you going to do when racing doesn't work out? It doesn't work out. Yeah. What? I, yeah. I'm leaving. I'm leaving with a one-way ticket. I ain't coming back. Right. I'm going to make it work out. I'm going to figure it out. And like, just, just knowing that and knowing that people aren't going to be able to see it. And that's okay. Because you okay. see it. And yeah. you just got to keep pushing. If you really love it, you, you'll find a way. And um, I think that's 
that's really, you know, really it. And and honestly, just being a decent human being goes a long way. Like that's it really it's really basic, but like it's not though. It's like keep it simple, right? I mean, like be a good person and good things are gonna tend to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not saying you gotta go out of your way for everybody, but like no. Just don't go. The kindness isn't hard. Yeah, when you feel when you feel that tough, when you see something and you feel this tough, like like for instance, we were in L.A. and and there's obviously there's a lot of homeless around and stuff, which is yeah. super sad. But there was there was this this lady that was walking and she was dragging like her blanket behind her and it had like this a bag and it looked like of like toiletries and some stuff that yeah. she it, it was important enough to where it was in a bag and it was on right. her blank, on her person. And she yeah. goes across the street and on back onto the sidewalk and it bumps the bag off. Yeah. And I see it and I'm like, yeah, like whatever. And I keep looking and she's like walking pretty slow. And I'm like getting antsy. I'm getting, uh, yeah, Brenna, I'm, getting I'm getting antsy about this. Like, yeah. like, and I'm like, and I keep feeling this like, man, you really just not going to like, just run, like walk over and put, so I walk, so my friend is picking me up and I walk out to her and I'm like, one minute. And like, I would go up, grab yeah. the bag, throw it on the back of her. You know what I mean? Just turn around and go back. Like it's just, and I was yeah. like, oh. like that right. weight, like I'm like. Oh. You have to listen to that little voice too, because it was like, it was repeating inside of you. Like oh, you can man. do something about this. Right. It, and you yeah. gotta listen to it. You could have gotten in the car and left and it would have been talking to you all day long, but it, you did something about it. And that, it's just like little stuff. And like, I and, and I don't do that. Like, I'm not doing that to, to be seen doing it. Right. I'm nope. just doing it because like something on me was like, I need to do this yeah. for this person. So just be a de- halfway decent person. That's, you know, just halfway. Yep. It's not too much to ask. Well, I think you're a hell of a person and I've really enjoyed this conversation. You, so this was fantastic. I'm so glad to get to know you more. I'm so excited for all that you're doing and the brand that you're building and the, the opportunity to be such a powerful voice for NASCAR. And I, I just, Tim and Tim and Amy are lucky. So I, I'm, I'm happy for you and all that you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you so much. My, my, my tagline for everything is, it's a great day to be alive. And every day I wake up thinking that, and, and I try to put that into the, into the universe. And, um, and you know, I, I'm enjoying the ride. We're riding the wave, man. It could crash at any minute, but right now t- Tim and Amy got me gassed up. So we're, we're going to be here for a go. minute. I hope so. Have a great time this weekend. Thanks a lot for jumping on the show. So great getting to talk to you. Thanks, Mamba. Thanks, Brian. Thank you to Mamba for coming on the show. I love people with passion and energy and excitement. I just, it gets me all fired up. I hope it did the same for you. I really want to bring this home though. This isn't just a guy saying, I'm a big fan. Put me on your podcast. Put me on your YouTube channel, whatever. He has depth of knowledge. He truly is an expert. He knows the lens of the racer because he's been one. He knows what it's like to work on a car because he's done that. He's worked in marketing and communication. So he's got the idea and the knowledge and the passion and the energy that all comes together to form an opportunity. One thing we didn't get into too much, but I'd love to press him more on is, you know, that power that comes from creating your own opportunities through energy, because I really do believe that. Our energy sometimes speaks for us and his passion and excitement and energy comes through and you want to then find an opportunity for him. If I'm A.B. Anderson, I totally get it because I've been there where you've met people that had an enthusiasm and an energy and you wanted to figure out how to make them fit. So... You can all take that and put that to work. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, subscribe. It matters. It really does. And I appreciate every one of you. I'll see you on Monday.